Hey, you, come here. My name's Bob Gordon, and this is Hibernation, a podcast dedicated to finding out how folks are getting on with life in this period of isolation due to COVID-19. I'm joined by entrepreneur, musician, raconteur, bon vivant, and the Governor-General of Fremantle, Tom Fisher. Hello, Tom. Hello, sir. Good to be here. We're at Clancy's in Fremantle. We're quite honoured to be uh, inside the pub. And yeah. Here's a cheers. authentic cheers. Of a tinny, not one off the not one off the wood, unfortunately. <laughs> so, gosh, I haven't been in here for too long. Mm. How have you uh, been since the uh, the lockdown, since the ISO? Um, yeah, a sort of a mix of quiet and now getting a bit busier, but. Yeah, very. It, it was very strange couple of weeks preceding the whole thing. It just moved so quick, as far as work wise and gig wise and everything changing so quickly. So it was kind of a state of shock, I think, when everything was actually shut. But also, I think I was a bit relieved at that time. It was still a bit scary at that stage. So we didn't feel comfortable having staff out and about, you know. But we stuck it out till they said you had to close uh, at Clancy's. And, yeah, so but I think it had to be done and was done in a timely manner, the way things are looking at the moment, looking a bit better. What about your gigs for the various ensembles? Yeah. To see that kind of... Because um, you had two really quite tasty uh, gigs yeah. that very weekend. That the, the week they first downscaled um, to five, crowds of 500s, we had sort of two that would have been well over 500 <laughs> Capacity, so they both got pulled the art center and the um Mandra Crab Fest in one weekend. Completely understandable, but I had to do the same here with anything I'd booked. Yeah, that was strange. And then I mean, I'm a I do a lot of gigs because you know, I, I guess I'm on the other side of the songwriting, we've got the working sort of bands I'm in and uh yeah. covers and weddings and things like that. And session bass, so, you know, I had a big tour with Ash Grunwald booked on session bass. And, so that all went. I've got to admit, the first few weeks it was kind of nice. It was, it was just no pressure, and could do stuff like have a couple of beers at four o'clock with my wife, and not, yeah, not having to worry about driving somewhere for a gig, ten o'clock slot somewhere or a three set slog yeah. somewhere. I think it surprised people a bit in a, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the fear of the unknown, which is pretty horrendous actually. Like yeah. In those first week or so, when you made it. Shopping centre trip, yeah, and the looking for some bog roll, yeah, and, the, <laughs> and just the feeling in the air—it's uh, pretty awful. But upon, I guess, the, the whole stillness of it all, yeah, and there's a bit more time for reflection. And uh, when you, you know, if you're everyone lucky enough to live in a family unit, you yeah, see your family like like never before, or or to that degree, or you know, that yeah. many hours in any given day. Yeah. Um, how, how have you found that that stillness part? I actually really enjoyed it. I got to say, and there was and there was kind of I don't know in those first few weeks. I think we took our kids out of school probably a bit week earlier than everybody else did because we just felt it was the right thing to do. So we had the kids home for a long time, but there was kind of also that um, wartime effort. We're all pulling together. Mm. You know, this is bigger than us sort of thing. With everyone, it kind of in a strange way, it's a nice sort of morale and. But I really enjoyed, yeah, not having to be anywhere. I, my life feels like I always have to be somewhere. Or 
mm. finish my Clancy stuff and shit, you've got an hour with the family, then you've got to be in a gig in, I don't know, Bunbury. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I, I did really enjoy that. And as far as playing, I think I'm, I know I shouldn't complain about how much playing I get to do, but I don't even touch a guitar for the first week, two weeks at least. And then I was like, well, and then I sort of felt this pressure like, oh, I should be writing, you know, I could get a, could get an album out of this sort of period. And then I was like, well, nah, fuck that, you know, what do you want to do? And I really wanted to work on my, essentially on my bass player and a hat guitarist in, in, in the layabout, so a yeah. joke. But I did, I sent my mate Jesse, he's an amazing guitarist and teacher, and he sent me some cool finger picking stuff that I wanted to do. So I just practiced, I don't can't remember the last time I practiced. Yeah. And then did stuff like pull the electric guitar out, which I never would have done previously because I had to keep it down because the kids at school. And, yeah. And um, things I never do. And I was like, oh, great. I'm writing songs on the electric, which I've been talking about for about a year instead of just everything seems to start in the acoustic normally. And that was fun. And, yeah, I probably didn't really miss it sort of performing until four, four weeks in, I reckon. Okay. <laughs> it's all that playing. <laughs> yeah, well, I did it, and I did a little. Yeah, I guess I'd had my my fill for for a few weeks. I was I was topped up, and then we did a little film thing in here. Me and Killian from the layout, so which we haven't released yet, but um, and we played and sung, and I sung at full volume on the stage and belted it out, and I went, shit, that felt good. Like yeah. it was strange, and you know, there was just the two blokes filming. And he kills, I think, afterwards. Oh, yeah, it wasn't good. I couldn't be that loud. And I was like, shit, I said to Susie, I felt great. It was like... A release. A release, yeah. Yeah, that was... I was at a recording of something at Badlands uh, in Northbridge on Saturday. Uh, and Pat Cowell played and we were filming them. And just a three-piece band. Yeah. Uh, grunge kind yeah. of flavoured. Just the energy. And it was almost like got how loud bands are yeah yeah <laughs> the thing like and i really enjoyed sitting there having we had a four o'clock happy hour was the regular thing right? that's how long we make ourselves hold off um <laughs> while i was in there and i'd jump on and quite a lot of the time someone would be streaming a friend or you know doing playing it's great and i'd tune in but something about me goes i just wish i was two meters away getting blasted by the fan off their amp and yeah. The smell, the smell of a gig. It's very, uh, <laughs> the senses. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, it's not like it's a huge amount of time, but, you know, it's two months about, mm. especially when it's, well, there's lifestyle and your, and your working life and to be away from it. Yeah. And things that really lift you and, I don't know, just fuel your senses yeah. and then not to be around them. Even to be sitting here this afternoon, you know, in the Clancy's live space, yeah, fills you with memories and a bit, a bit of hope as, yeah. as well, which is is important. Yeah, what's it like for you? Because you'd have to come here for various reasons. Yeah, well, the first sort of couple of weeks, I was coming in, and you know, because before the job keeper was enacted to see you'd get all your staff back, so the manager of this particular Clancy's and I. I was coming in and running the vacuum round. It's funny, I was doing a lot of things that I used to do when I was 17. I was back in my, uh, my old yardman oh, yeah. yardman duties and, you know, being free man, I would go out and clean up out the back after the uh, some of the local homeless community had a party out there the night. So 
And but it did actually just feel good to be in here, and you know, felt like you were sort of looking after the place. In this room in particular, I I always when I'm doing my sort of Clancy's brandy spiels, I say these these walls of this room. You know, apart from being a Fremantle boys' school for forever until it was a pub, is these walls have absorbed live music for over forty years, and I can't think. Even the previous owners for my uncles, and my uncles have had it since um, 81, or 80 even, they, they had live music. It was a renowned folk, you know, um, knees-up folk venue. So these were, I think there's, I couldn't think of a reason where there would have been a stretch of that with no music in this room. So there's definitely, in 40-odd years, possibly more, um, there's never been a dry spell mm. in this music room like that. And when you bring up 40-odd years, of course, you celebrated your 40th in December. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I mean, that, and that is 40 solid years of, of being in venues and being yeah. music and on a bassinet on a stage at times. Yeah. <laughs> um, Plunk between the fallback speakers. Yeah. So in some ways, this is... Must be like your first break from um, <laughs> pubs and live music, really. Kind of, yeah. Because, I mean, Joe and John had the Sea View, which was obviously a music institution in the 80s. So I was always, and we lived just around the corner at that stage in South Fremantle. So I always remember being there as a kid. And in the day when Dad or at a gig when Dad or, yeah, sleeping behind the bloody stage or something like that. And I first sung with Dad when I was seven and used to get up sort of every night. So I hit with a various rock and roll band I'd jump up and sing um, Tutti Fruity actually Little Richard R.I.P was the yeah, first song indeed. I ever sung remember um, you telling me that and then you, what, you were given a bottle of oh that was at Settlers yeah I um, no I sung at Settlers in Margaret River with one of dad's bands and I got a I finished and I got put in a cab straight away with a babysitter and taken back to the Acom with like 50 bucks or something <laughs> for my three songs and Dad said for the next 25 minutes, the crowd just chanted, we want the kid, we want the kid. And he's like, he's in fucking bed. Uh, oh, look, they still want the kid. Oh, yeah, they do. Actually, they got the old fish. Yeah. <laughs> 50 bucks for three songs. This spread's pretty, yeah. uh, pretty good stuff. Well, I wonder why that Dad was getting paid. <laughs> yeah, but then I sort of kept that up probably till close to high school and then it got to that sort of teenage awkward sort of thing and I didn't really do it apart from sort of jamming with mates and played footy and did normal stuff but then about 17 we started our first little school band and then and that morphed into Dr Fish which is still going really doing so we were young cats doing 50s 60s 70s rock and roll yeah. so it was a different vibe at the time I think every cover band around it was big cover band time you know late 90s everyone was playing the same Blink-182 and yeah. that Reef song. I always remember every day we'll play that. Right. Oh, bless you. Yeah. <laughs> Great album, though, Glow. So we had this sort of really different vibe going on because we were doing retro stuff and we'd wear stupid op shop suits that we bought and stuff like that. And we'd have about 300 people in here every Friday for a couple of years. It was crazy. Yeah. And a lot of young and a lot of underage cats trying to sneak in and stuff. So and I think I've been working pretty much ever since. Uh, in that sense good old bad old days yeah on the last episode of this podcast I had uh, Cab Templey yep who uh, 
was a... Uh, Cav would have been a sea view baby too, yeah. I always remember. We were always hanging out. Yeah, he was a, a character in, in your youth, yeah. uh, musically and all sorts of pursuits. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think Dad um, Dad used to go to Lance Holt School because my brothers went there. I, didn't, I went to Beaconsfield, but Cav was at Lance Holt and Dad would go do some teaching and he used to take the old 71P bass in, which, is now, which he gave to me when I started playing bass, my most prized possession. Mm. But Cav, I think, had his come his first bass slaps on my seventy one P when Dad was taking them to Oh okay. To lessons. So he always Cav always asked about the, the bass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And see what who else over the the years just, you know Prio buddies and you know, people you sat in with or sat in with you. Well spring them on. A lot of dads crew was you know because they were sort of the guys I knew and saw do it and looked up to so you know I'd get people like Howie Johnson to drum with the Dr Fish when my mate couldn't do it you know Howie from Dave Warner in the suburbs and and then Dave Shaw took the gig Dave Shaw from the stems so a lot of, and then yeah that sort of opened up a different world and but basically I still play with Jesse, who was in that first Dog Fish and first Layabouts lineup, we went to primary school together, high school together. Um, Killian, I've known forever, Richard, and I'm pretty lucky I played with my best mates as well. So, mm. yeah, I was sort of lucky because I, with Dad, I'd get dragged around and I'd meet all the. I just saw the pros from the get go. You know, I didn't. And I, for those listening who who aren't across, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, Tom's dad is Jim Fisher, who is a. Uh, well, an iconic WA musician, and within we're in Fremantle, certainly uh, Fremantle, and yeah. uh, very influential, and clearly very influential on Tom. Yeah, so I was lucky enough, I suppose, um, when I was 17, and Dad's band, The Sense of New Age Cowpersons, were really firing, which was a, for those who don't know, a comedy, bluegrass, almost cabaret kind of thing, but with shit-hot musicianship, like world-class sort of bluegrass thing. Um, I went to Europe with them as a roadie. I just did inverted comma sign. Yeah. The most useless fucking roadie that ever. 17-year-old drunk roadie. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I got to go to all these amazing folk festivals in England, um, Edinburgh Festival, over to Holland, and that was actually one of the deciding factors when I came back. So I think I might take this music thing a bit more seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what drew you to bass? I mean, obviously being handed a Fender P bass would be a start, but just in terms of it... Of no, the, no, it the, was the, purely that my two mates were excellent guitarists and way better than me, so... Okay. They were like, here you go, and I'm really glad for it because I love the bass and it's got me a lot of... You know, when I moved to Melbourne, I got the gig in the go set as the bass player and toured internationally with them and... And I get good, and from my time in Melbourne, I'll get, you know, this guy's coming over, I'll get fish to play bass and a lot of session work through that. But um, I started on guitar, and but yeah, by the time I got to my first band, the two blokes, Jesse, one of them, another mate, Dan, were like virtuoso type guitarists, yeah, and I yeah. was more your rhythm guy, so I got the bass and had to learn to play bass and sing quickly. Right. <laughs> Because it does, it's, uh, you're one of those people where, and you, you play fingerstyle usually, don't you? Yeah. Uh, where it doesn't look like you've slung this thing over your neck and you proceed to play it. It actually just does look like an extension. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's from 
playing forever. Yeah. But it just looks completely... I don't know. It's like you're wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably not ever having proper lessons and um, developing your own technique, I guess. But I would have, as Kenny Watt calls me when he mixes out, then he would call me meat hooks. He gets my hands a lot. Old meat hooks, Fisher. Oh, you need those for the, to, to get on the, the fingers. Know, well, especially on a big P bass. Actually, that's the one thing I haven't done is played bass this whole period and I. My calluses are pretty much non-existent. It's going to hurt. Oh, okay. It's going to hurt after a three-giga weekend. Break it. Break out the super glue. Yeah, do something. Have you done that before? No. Oh, I nearly did it in the go set once when we were in Europe, and I smashed a big blister. But I think I just drank my way through it back then, probably. <laughs> back in those days. Yeah, plowed through. Yeah. And so, how are you? You know, Clancy's. You're doing the several venues. Doing you know, takeaway. Yeah. Uh, meals and, and, and stuff and there does seem a hint of uh, gathering restrictions being lifted um, what, what do you do? Do you kind of like bother to feel optimistic or do you just go I can't control that so we'll just see what they say and the we can open? You it's, know what I mean? What's yeah. the mood do you carry? It's very much wait on some news, scramble to make it work to those arrangements and then generally it changes again and you scramble again but the closing process was like that and the restrictions to open with the restrictions I don't think any venues going to make money out of it you know we're lucky we do food and bev you know music's definitely part of our lifeblood but not we're not entirely dependent on it so basically you, well, our sort of thinking now is just get the wheels ticking over and hoping for the best and um yeah, it was very much batting down the hatches and just ride out the storm was our sort of thinking. And we're lucky my uncles are very good <laughs> good bosses and, you know, took immediately went to JobKeeper to look after the staff who, you know, we've got staff for over 30 years, so we definitely wanted to look after them all as best we can. And the takeaway thing is just, and it's quite positivity. You talk about positivity, just having something happening. Yeah, tends to lift the spirits a bit and having meetings and um, some kind of direction but I do think I do think pubs will get open sooner than we think but I do worry about live music it'll, it'll be a different sort of model I think everyone's going to have to rethink how they do it and whether the old dinner and a show type thing comes back yeah. or you know how you do it so It'll take a bit of that, but um, I think that first Saturday night where you're four deep from the bar at a packed gig and you, your ears are getting blasted, it's going to be a, a religious experience. Yeah, I think <laughs> that, yeah, there will be a, the thirst for experience and um, the, the simple culture of it. I think yeah. it will make it special when it comes back. Actually, that's, that's what I miss. I miss the culture, yeah. I think. I think I miss just, you know... And you get sort of a lift from your peers at gigs or playing with friends on a bill or going mm. to someone's launch. And it feels good to support. As great as it feels to do a great gig, it feels good to support your mate who's launching a CD and go and listen. And so it's, yeah, it's, I think, and people like yourself, it's built into our, our DNA, sort of. Yeah. To be a punter and, a, and involved. Well, I'm sure it'll be very special 
when it comes back because yeah. it already was. Yeah. This enforced fast from what we love uh, have a big impact on us when we come back and it comes back. Yeah. But in the meantime, Tom Fisher, thank you for hibernating with me on hibernation. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining me on hibernation. Until the next time, look after each other. We're worth it. Bye.